0: <laughs> I got it. I he got it. He got
1: there. <laughs> Welcome to episode forty of Who the Hell is This For? I'm surprised we've been doing it for this long. <laughs> I imagine you guys probably are too. I'm excited. We are ten episodes away from episode fifty. We should probably start planning something big for that.
2: Yeah. Well you know we've already done yeah, I, have, I have no idea
1: what. Uh oh, crosstalk. Oh no. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, do we want to lump 50 into a uh, first year extravaganza or wait till episode 52?
2: I would say... We'll we probably do.
1: just call it 50. We yeah. should
2: do the year at the year unless we can make it there, like at the same time.
1: This just in, who the hell is this for? Is going on hiatus so that we can hit <laughs> our time perfectly. <laughs> no, but that that should line up.
2: We'd actually have to do more episodes, because we started in August, so we're really not that far away from We'll hit the year
0: before we hit the 50.
1: Okay. If you have any ideas, both for our year-long, not year-long, our uh, (laughs) year-anniversary celebration, or for our 50th episode, uh, hit us up on Twitter, at WTHITFpod. You can also find... Everyone on Twitter, and I don't remember their handles, so we're just gonna run right past that. Unless they want to drop them in right here. Where can people find you guys, Jeff? Go ahead.
2: At Mr. Jeff Noir
1: Um, hold on,
3: I gotta remember what mine is. Oh, mine's <laughs> at underscore Riles twenty
2: three.
1: <laughs> yeah, that underscore in the beginning always throws me off.
2: Riley, you gotta you to own can... your you gotta own your content, man. You gotta know your handle so you can drop it in.
1: It's so.
3: So, uh higher ups don't find my tweets, so I can say that, whatever I want.
1: This is fair, ah.
3: like giving in the, the midst American of a job,
2: <laughs> you're telling me that your higher ups are not pod listeners. I don't think so. Wow, that's too bad you gotta
1: change a arrange a meeting when you get back into the office- <laughs> okay.
2: what is this pertaining?
1: I've got something you guys need to listen to.
2: <laughs> listen to this.
1: You may not be ready for this, but your kids are going to love it. (laughs) Anyways. Anyways, yes, Prodcath is bringing us back on track. (laughs) Ah. I just lost my headphone.
0: (laughs) Help.
3: We should probably note that this is our first full uh, remote
1: recording recording session. Yeah, Yeah. everybody everybody is in different places. Bear with us. Spiritually, physically, emotionally. Too far. (laughs) I didn't take it as far as I could have.
0: Mm, We're
2: all in emotionally different places. Some of us are not (laughs) ready to do this pod.
1: (laughs) I know I am. Uh, Today we are talking about Miami Connection, kind of. We'll get more into that when we attempt to discuss that movie. But first, what have you guys been watching this week? Um, This week's just been really crazy.
3: So I'm trying to think. I've watched... I went and saw Spider-Man twice. Um, let's see here. Oh, I watched Batman Mask of the Phantasm.
2: Oh, that's a good one.
3: Yeah. Um, Very solid. Let me think. I think there's something else I watched. I just have, like, no memory of this last week. Huh.
2: Well, doing lots of you other you stuff
1: just been on a bender yeah Yeah, that must have been it
3: i
2: understand
1: Um, jeff what have you been watching
2: uh i've seen a lot of stuff this week uh i saw one really good movie and one really bad movie uh i saw halloween and i saw halloween three um i'll let you guess which one is which Uh, god i hate you (laughs) Uh, if you're following us on Twitter, you probably know about what's happened already, but we will unpack it on the pod. And then we also saw two movies in theaters, so we saw Midsommar, um, we saw it in the middle of the day, which I thought was uh, appropriate given the subject matter and how that was filmed, and then we also saw um, Spider-Man, Far From Home, uh, last night. So. Oh, I didn't that,
1: realize you just went last night.
2: Yep, yep, just last night.
1: All right. Prodcast, what about you? What have you been watching?
0: Um, uh, we went and saw Spider Man. And then I watched Bad Moms and Bedtime Stories and Spy. And just now, just got done finishing Little Fockers.
1: Were those all so, today? No. Oh, okay.
2: Was Spy the uh, Melissa McCarthy? Uh-huh. One, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: What'd you think about that one?
0: Oh, I've seen it before. I like it. Right, him. but what I are mean, your thoughts fine. on it? <laughs> the thoughts I have about every Melissa McCarthy movie. Oh, that's what I was getting yeah.
1: into. Did they do anything at all different with her? Or did no. they just make her the punchline again?
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. That sounds about right. And since our last episode, I have watched Halloween, Spider-Man, Wolf Cop, Jaws, Midsummer, and of course, Miami Connection.
2: Really on brand this week.
1: <laughs> Incredibly on brand week. <laughs> well, because I've, you know, with work, I've been having a real bad week, so I watch Halloween to feel better. Mm. And then it was oh, the 4th weird. of July, so you have to watch Jaws. <laughs> and then, yeah, I couldn't miss Midsummer or Spider Man, so I made sure to see both of those this week as well. And also uh, watched through all of Stranger Things Season 3.
3: Oh, yeah, I guess I did that, too. That's what I did. I was trying to think of what I watched Fourth of July. And that's what I did all day.
2: God,
1: just, it's fantastic. We'll
2: talk I've, a little bit
1: about it.
3: I have
2: not yet dove into that one, but I hear it's really good. It, they
1: went a little heavier on horror this season, right. which I loved, and uh, Prodcath was not as big a fan of.
2: Yeah, I mean, I have thoughts on Season 2, so as long as it's a little bit better than Season 2, I think... It's a lot better than Season (laughs) 2. Okay, good.
1: Oh, and uh, congratulations to the U.S. women's soccer team. Oh, yeah. I assume we all watched them uh, beat the Netherlands and win the World Cup. Absolutely.
2: Uh, Just just a great day all around. I do have to give a shout-out to the Netherlands team, because they have a couple of fantastic names on that team. I know there was somebody named yeah. Vanderdonk. Uh, <laughs> which is just just amazing. Just an amazing name. There was another one named Spitz. Um, yeah, I saw Spitz. Great. Spitz? That and funny.
1: they didn't totally lose, because the Netherlands seriously showed up in Spider-Man Far From Home. That's I was going
3: to say, I I found it really hard to cheer against the Netherlands, because of how well... Spider Man far from home had painted the Netherlands fans.
1: Yeah, they're all just all great people.
2: He was treated yeah. very nicely. And he's if he's if he's walking around in New York, it's not quite the same. <laughs> Kevin Feige, bring the World Cup to Kansas City.
1: <laughs> I I bet he listens to the pod. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Oh, most deaf. Most deaf.
2: So maybe we could give a little bit of history on this movie and I'm gonna mess up the dates, but um, so my understanding is that this movie was originally so bad that um they really couldn't get any major um like major distribution network to to send it into theaters and they finally sold it to somebody for like $100,000 and it played in like six theaters and then also in West Germany and it was only in theaters for 3 weeks before it got pulled because it did In 1987.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Okay. But then Tyler said Alamo re-released it.
1: Yes. So Alamo has a branch called the American Genre Film Association. And I don't know if they still also have um, Draft House Films as a branch of their company. Uh, But through AGFA and Draft House Films, they have found movies like this that didn't really get a wide release or anything like that. And they... uh, not preserved or replenished. Uh, Rema- remastered. There we regurgitated. go. Yeah, they regurgitated these films, uh, and oh have released God. some of them on uh, on home video now. Uh, so they did get a home release and kind of a new life in that sense. Yeah. I think it was incredibly worthwhile for them to do that for this movie.
0: Anyways. Anyways. Um. Some rotten reviews. <laughs> a Gonzo B movie from the 80s created by YK Kim, Gonzo. a martial arts instructor an inspirational speaker who took his talents to the big screen despite a complete lack of screen charisma or acting talent.
1: I think YK K- Kim is incredibly charismatic. Wow, that is
2: a that is a rough start to this review for sure.
0: <laughs> Just a dreadful but naively entertaining <laughs> made in America martial arts film. <laughs>
1: Dreadful. (laughs) Strong words.
0: Finally. This is a new low in movies. (laughs) Miss it (laughs) Miss It at all costs. (laughs) And I'll end on that note.
3: (laughs) Oh my god. So I think what most of the score comes from is people viewing this as a comedy. Yeah. But when I watched it But was it they're obviously taking it seriously. (laughs) So that's what makes
1: this movie so terrible. That is fair. They definitely took it 100% seriously, and they wanted to include some incredibly emotional beats in there that they thought would really <laughs> land and add so some just weight pep- to the story. just peppered them in.
2: We gotta talk about the letter scene.
1: <laughs> this is a beautiful story of a band supporting their friend trying to find his long-lost father, oh, mother- and everything Korean. else is just extraneous.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. So do the you fact want to give, that he like, did not the, die
1: from that sword wound.
3: Do we want to give like the I don't know how what you would call it like the not the plot summary but the little like tagline for this movie because it's like a it, the, the lines like a karate band moves into town into Central Florida which is in Orlando but it's somehow
2: Miami. <laughs> Yeah, I keep I keep forgetting that it's actually in Orlando, even though it's supposed to be Miami. Yeah, that
1: that's my favorite part. And they don't even try and like it's not Orlando that they're calling Miami. Like they just tell you it's in Orlando. <laughs> yeah, also, but we
3: still have the Miami Ninjas.
2: All right. So And the I have a I have a geography question. Orlando doesn't have any beaches, right?
1: Right. No, they do not.
2: Okay, there are definitely beaches in this movie.
1: You can drive to the beach from Orlando.
2: Okay, I was just curious. I didn't know where it was as, this happening.
1: I should say, as a child growing up in Orlando, this was my experience. This was incredibly accurate. There was a lot, you a lot know, of motorcycle I just, ninjas. I saw my life on screen.
0: <laughs> Let me just call up a couple. To <laughs> you can ask my mom. Nice she had to, to bring me back
1: inside because I tried to get on the back of a ninja's motorcycle... And do cocaine as a seven-year-old? Yeah, hold Was on. Can I we talk? Can we there? talk about that aspect of this movie? How the cocaine? Yeah, there's a supposedly a
3: cocaine storyline to this movie that they just completely <laughs> drop five minutes after the movie Ex- starts.
1: Completely non-existent. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it just exists to show how bad the gang is, not like that. There's actually because you would keep you, you would think that the Miami Connection is the cocaine connection that they're fighting against or gonna stop someday
3: her. we'll find it that's what the connects Orlando and Miami connection. is the cocaine trail
2: that's the only <laughs> connection they have that's the Miami connection
3: is, is that why the head ninja wears all white because he's like the drug lord
2: <laughs> there's a connection between nose and mirror alright okay. well, keep going. let's keep going
0: moving on <laughs> let's
3: talk about let's talk about what this movie is really known for. I'd say, and that's the the band within the movie, Dragon Sound, has these incredible. I don't want to say catchy because they're very simple, but yet, like ultra positive, eighties pop <laughs> rock songs. Um, we'll definitely post them, on the, the Twitterverse whatever you want to call it. Um,
1: I should also drop in uh, the guys over at Nerds of Nostalgia do use one of the songs featured in this movie as their outro music and is actually how I was introduced to this movie. So you can can blame them for that one. That's fair.
2: I have to wonder if the positivity in the music of this movie comes from the fact that the filmmaker was a motivational speaker before making this movie. Like, he's like, whatever comes out of this movie, if I can nail one thing, it's this positive song that I can play later <laughs> when I do motivational speaking at middle schools in Orlando areas.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> How often do you think he used Friends as a uh, as his music going Every time. on to do motivational speaking? Every speech? time.
2: <laughs> well,
3: okay, so let's touch on that positivity and... How this? How gory? Well, not really gory, but
1: there's some how, good gore how, in here.
3: Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, we're not gonna call it good gore, but there is gore. <laughs> no, they gore. are.
1: So, I will say that they, they are solid gore effects. Well They're implement. I, they They may not be implemented in the best way, but the effect itself is good. Hmm.
3: Okay. Well. Anyway, there is a lot of blood in this movie, and people getting sliced and diced, and this movie's completely based on martial arts. And then we get to the movie, the end of the movie, and it has the title card, uh, A World Without Violence is How We Reach World Peace or something. <laughs> so just ignore everything you just watched.
1: <laughs> He's saying what the world could have been in this movie.
2: Had we not been violent right away. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, violence really takes a front seat immediately.
2: <laughs> violence, violence is immediately the answer for everyone involved <laughs> in this movie.
1: Jeff, I know there was another scene uh, beyond Friends and Dragon Sound the Band oh that you gosh. wanted to touch on.
2: All right. So, a pretty big part of this movie is that the five guys of Dragon Soul who live together are all orphans. Um which is a word we don't really use much anymore <laughs> um but it's used a lot in this movie um there are five orphans who are playing in the band together. It is a uh, a a large demographic of people who are in this group they're all like biracial of all different races um so there's like uh an American um jew there's a korean african-american there's an italian american there's an irish american um and i forget what the other one is. um
1: yk kim
3: yeah
2: okay Yeah, full-on
1: korean
3: yeah. right
2: uh and so there's a scene where one of the guys and i forget their names because there's like five names that start with J in this movie there's a john there's a jane there's a jeff one of them is bad, Jim. one of them is good. I don't remember. Jim is also in this movie. Um pretty ridiculous. One of the guys in the the orphan group um is essentially the like Orphan group? <laughs> <laughs> dragon Soul. Um gets a letter from Washington DC and uh his friends like what's this about and he immediately is like give me the letter and they fight over it for like 20 seconds. Um, first of all, why don't you just give your friend the letter? I don't understand. I've never held mail from any of my friends before. I've never looked at That's any of my friends' felony. mail. a felony. Yeah, it is a felony. You are absolutely right. Um, but I also
3: think, I don't think if my friend was holding a letter, f- if my friend was le- holding a letter from me, I don't think I'd, it would take me that quick to just get in a fight with them. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Like, your friend is clearly emotional about whatever's going on in this letter. Maybe just give him the letter. I don't know. Um, anyways, he opens up the letter. And the big thing in this letter is they have somehow found his father. So he's not actually an orphan. He, his mother was Korean. So presumably in the Korean War, his father was a soldier and came over. And they were together. And then his father went back home. So his father abandoned them. And he's like, "My mother told me to find him, but i didn't want to because he left us behind and it's just like it is the most hammy overacted scene you've ever seen. I mean it is so bad
3: what's so what's so great about it is that it's de- that it's delivered in like this spotlight monologue
2: <laughs> of
3: he like takes like steps forward ahead of the group." <laughs> And does not make eye contact with them. It's like is a, just talking into nothing. It's a soliloquy. That's that's the.
1: This is actually a movie. remake of a remake of a Shakespearean work. <laughs> they kept the soliloquy. Oh
2: my god! Beware the Ides of March. That's for sure.
1: All right. Well, I I don't think we have a whole lot else to say about this movie. I I really enjoyed it, uh, just because it's a fun dumb movie. I'm fairly certain everyone else found it nigh unwatchable.
2: <laughs> I think you have to be in absolutely the right mood to watch this movie. Two o'clock in the afternoon after watching the women's national team win the World Cup and also after a couple of whiskey cokes, probably not the right time uh, to watch this movie. It was so, not... To me,
1: that sounds like the best time. It
2: seems like it would be a great time because you're amped up, but uh, it was a bad time. I did not enjoy watching this movie um, I kept getting bored. Like, you're just kind of... You just want to move past it. So, it's not a not a high one on the scale for me. Um, I don't know. What did you guys think?
3: This definitely would have been one that would have been a lot more fun had we all watched together. I agree. Yes. It's kind of... Like you said, Jeff, it it just gets boring because there's no story. It's just all bad movie. Yeah. So, you're just kind of like, yeah, I get the shtick. It, right. But... One thing that I do want to touch on that I loved in this movie was the ability, or lack thereof, of the guitar playing (laughs) in the band. um, Especially YK Kim, who just kind of stands there with a guitar.
1: (laughs) Um, He's a grandmaster. He doesn't need to know how to play guitar.
3: Yeah, so obviously they were told before filming, like, pretend like you're playing in a band or, you know, just shredding on the guitar and
1: none of them do that successfully. (laughs) There are also scenes in which uh, their mouths in no way match the words that are being sung. (laughs) That actually happens
3: throughout the movie. Cause um, what's his name? The guy that has his dad when they're on the beach he's like saying what's up to these girls and what he's saying does not match his mouth at all.
2: You, you see that a lot in, in sometimes those older movies where whenever they were doing the actual scene, like whatever audio they were able to capture was really bad. So they dub it over later, but they don't always dub over the exact same audio. Like they may make a choice later to be like, Oh, we're going to mm-hmm. use that footage or we're going to change the dub because we didn't like it. And so then you just, it's really distracting Um, because you can't help but think like, what are they actually trying to say in that scene what was the original audio (laughs) drop the original audio I would like
1: I would like for you to watch the original Suspiria and get your thoughts on that because so in Italian horror at the time everything was dubbed over Uh, everyone was speaking everyone was kind of doing their own thing and speaking their own native language, uh, and most of it was dubbed over. And that happened in Suspiria. That happened in all types of other Jalo movies. It happened in uh, which is like
2: Bozo dubbed over. That happened too. <laughs> 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 Whoa, this guy is bald. <laughs> no, he's doing the dub. Bozo's doing the dub. What do you think? I just
1: went home and made this in the morning so that I could have something to show you guys. No. <laughs> okay, we we've we've spun into. I think you should leave. So I think it's time that we probably <laughs> move on to the rest of our episode. So since we ended up not having a lot to actually say about Miami Connection uh, today is going to be our summer spectacular episode. <laughs> A quick rundown of what we'll talk about. Jeff and I are going to argue about Halloween. <clears throat> Riley and I will do a spoiler free segment on Stranger Things Three. Jeff and I will talk about Midsummer, and then all of us will talk about Spider Man. So you're getting a little bit of everything today.
2: That's right. Should we say So that- to
1: start it off, what the fuck, Jeff?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Alright. So let me defend myself a little bit. Um I have heard about Halloween my whole life, um, definitely a lot more in the last four years. (laughs) Yeah, uh, well, mostly from Tyler, but definitely in the last four years from Tyler, right? So, uh, I know Tyler's a huge fan of Halloween. I totally understand it. Um, I put it on my body, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) So, here's, here's my thing about Halloween. Halloween was made what year, Tyler? Do you know? 1978. 1978. Do you know? <laughs> okay. So, some some ho- horror history for me, Tyler. Would you say that this is one of if not the first film to kind of open up the slasher genre? Would that be right?
1: So, Halloween is the third, arguably fourth film to do this. Okay. Because you had you had Psycho and you had Peeping Tom before, which Okay, like, they're... They, they're Neo-Slasher's? I don't know. There is an argument whether those are Slashers or not, but they did come before Halloween and did have a lot of influence on the Slasher genre. Uh-huh. But the bigger thing uh, that opened up the Slasher genre was Black Christmas, uh, which was made by the guy who made A Christmas Story and is a unknown killer who... an unknown killer terrorizing a group of sorority girls. Gotcha. And so that killer was never revealed. And then Halloween took something different and they showed you the, they showed you the killer right away
2: Uh
1: as, as a child before you see him in the mask entirely. Okay. And so how black Christmas or Halloween owes a lot to black Christmas too, because uh, Carpenter was talking to the director uh, because they were fairly close friends, and the uh, the director of Black Christmas said, you know, if I ever made a sequel to Black Christmas, I would want it to be about a guy who comes out of a mental institution and, you know, murders a bunch of teens, like, uh, murders them on Halloween. Like, he he gave him the plot to Halloween, essentially, yeah. but Carpenter went forward and he made this movie, and so... It, it's what is credited with the slasher genre as we know it today, sure. but also it would not be in that position without the few movies that came before it.
2: Gotcha. All right, so all that to say, um, <laughs> w- I think I'm going to give Halloween a lot of credit here, okay? Halloween starts the maybe the modern take on all these slashers. It's definitely early. In the slasher genre, I think there's a lot of other films that absolutely take from Halloween and build on it. My problem with it is that I've seen all those other films so I've seen everything that comes after Halloween I've seen Scream, I've seen um Nightmare uh yeah yeah Nightmare on Elm Street uh Brother the Thirteenth stuff like that so I've seen all of those that take kind of from the original Halloween. So you notice a lot of patterns, a lot of tropes, stuff like that 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 are in those later movies that exist in Halloween, right? So I've seen all of those and you could say that horror has continued to kind of evolve and slashers have continued to evolve. Now where there's like a ton of parody of those same things, so like uh, Cabin in the Woods has a ton of parody of that stuff, etc. So I think like we're really all well aware of what the beats are. And so for me, having seen all those and coming back and watching the original, I can appreciate what it does as an original, but I, I don't like it as its own <laughs> film now, right? Like, when I was watching it, I found myself getting bored and looking at my phone a lot because I felt like I knew exactly what was coming. Like, I knew the beats. I knew Michael wasn't going to be dead. I knew he was going to kill, like, three to four people also... I'll say this too, like, I'm not saying the pacing is bad, right? Because I know you'll <laughs> jump on me for that one. The pacing is fine, but the pacing is not what I was expecting uh, for a slasher. So I was expecting there to well, be... Well, it's
1: not uh, even what you're expecting from the Halloween series, probably the direction not. that it went. Right. Because, you know, later on, the it it kind of falls more into that traditional, like, generic slasher area. And it's all about just, like, you know, bloodbath, killing teens. Right.
2: So there's, like, a... Because cause Michael does the first kill in the first, what, three or four minutes? And then the mm-hmm. next kill doesn't take place until minute, like, 55 or 56 of the movie. So I think that whole time, I'm kind of, like, it is building tension, but I am expecting other stuff to happen. And so I just, I just got bored. And then, like, the final... So for th- me...
1: For me, what I like about Halloween isn't necessarily the kills. It is it is that tension building. It's it's Michael stalking everybody before. And the, the way they frame Michael and his... Because, you know, Halloween 2 and on, whatever. You know, you have the Laurie being his sister part of it. Before any of that was introduced... <laughs> I just found out Catherine has my credit or my debit card information saved in her phone. (laughs) That's fun. But anyway, before any of this whole other sister plot line is introduced, it was just Michael who was a completely just, he was the embodiment of evil and somebody went to the door at the wrong time on the wrong day when he was behind the door and he just targets Lori the rest of the movie because of that. And because Laurie, in his mind, violated his rules of coming to the door and being in this house uh, when she goes up to the Myers house. His his only care is killing Laurie, but before he does that, fucking with Laurie. And all he's doing, he is stalking, he's watching, he's finding out who she's close to so that he can set up that big final theatrical just macabre set piece that Laurie stumbles into yeah. and and i mean this movie this movie wouldn't be what it is without the music yeah i would agree with that i think the music i good. think that is the most important part of it and that's why i enjoy it because of so much that i like about the music and the feelings i associate with the music which then in turn get associated with the movie and it, it this is horror comfort food for me
2: sure and all that stuff i understand um and so I think there's part of me that recognizes that it it does a lot for everything going forward and that the music and the combination of stuff hadn't been done before and stuff like that. But having having not seen this, like I don't know when when would you have seen this, Ty? Like were you younger or did you see it pretty recently? Uh
1: so that I So I was looking at Snapchat, and so for people that don't totally know, I am a big horror fan. I did not get into horror until the past three, four years. Uh, but, I so I was looking, I had a memory on Snapchat, and it was actually the first time I watched Halloween was two years ago on July 2nd.
2: Two years so, ago?
1: Yeah, so I did not initially see this movie until two years ago and since then it has become my favorite horror film of all time and all right. in my top five all-time films well
2: then i, I won't use the point if you saw this a while ago and you grew up with it because that's not true uh, <laughs> <laughs> that shoots a hole in one of the things i was gonna say i just i think um and i try to uh, i try to be better about this with old movies of not judging them against what i'm currently watching or things like that but i do find myself getting bored and expecting more and which is probably unfair but like i when i watched it i remember thinking like uh, like i probably won't watch halloween anytime soon i might watch some of the later ones but i probably won't watch the original one anytime soon so we'll say count point counterpoint can can end there but that was the fight we were having <laughs> off mic this week about the halloween movies
1: yeah, and so I do want. I know Riley. We talk about the Halloween franchise a lot. I want to get a little bit of Riley's take on this whole debate.
3: Um. Well, I'm a good friend, and I like the movie also. So. <laughs> 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 no, but this I actually think. So I was probably I'm probably the one that has seen this, or I was the youngest to see this out of the group. I was probably. Fourteen, I want to say, when I saw this for the first time. But I was never a big horror fan. I mean, I watched, you know, like the classics and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's just like it's a staple horror movie. You have to watch it every Halloween. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Do you? Yes, you do, Catherine, (laughs) (laughs) and several times in between
3: and what I like about what I like about that is it just encompasses kind of that feeling of, you know, if you watch it at some point in October, it's going to really set in, you know, what time of year it is, the season um, and, and while, while
1: creeping you out a little. And that's, so that's a note I wanted to touch on. I know this isn't something that really, I know it didn't really scare Jeff and wasn't effective in that way, But I wanted to get Prodkath's opinion on that, because she watched it for the first time last October, before we went to go see the new Halloween. Yep. And so I want to get a little bit of your opinion on what you thought when you first watched it. Like, did it scare you? Because I I know it did, (laughs) yes. Um, And just kind of what you thought of it as a movie.
0: I mean, I liked it. It's your typical, like, jump scare movie-ish. To me, yeah, like, and I so, don't view it as the artistic piece that you view it as.
1: <laughs> this is fair. But there is a group of us that do. I know I'm not alone here.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. I I liked it, and I liked the new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually
1: really surprised that you enjoyed the new one.
0: Yeah. I just, I mean, I would have wa- rather watched the new one at home so I could just get past some of the <laughs> parts, but... <laughs>
1: You have to get the full experience. I liked it.
0: Have I seen the third?
1: You have not seen, no, Halloween 3, seen Halloween 3, and I can't wait to show you. So, that was that leads me to another take Jeff had that I also wanted to get get into because we are huge proponents of Halloween 3 on this podcast. least Riley and I are. Absolutely. And so Jeff had also said something else off mic. I
2: am I am joining that camp. I am 100% pro Halloween 3 and would absolutely love to do a review over it i think it's just like i think it's just way weirder um and there's something about about it that i really really like um in that it doesn't i mean obviously it's not in the same anthology as the rest of them um but i like that you really don't know what's going to happen and that you really have no idea like what this evil corporation or group or what the Silver Shamrock is actually going for. And so I really like the
1: best it. kind of joke, a joke on the children. That's right. <laughs> That's now, right. how far did you get Jeff? Cause I know you said you had watched half of it at this point.
2: Yeah, I've, I've made it through most of it. Uh, I don't know exactly where I stopped off. I may have to rewatch some of it again. Did, but... did
1: you get to see the scene where, uh, what the masks does is revealed?
2: Well, I've been on Twitter, so yes. <laughs> I've yes. seen you post the GIF probably 30 times, so yeah, I understand <laughs> what happened. <laughs> We're just that, out there sharing know, the gospel. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty impossible for me to not know what happens eventually um, in this movie. Yeah. So.
1: I will say, I don't know if the GIF shows how far that scene goes, and it's... Just all around wonderful and probably one of my favorite scenes in horror. So next on our list of Summer Spectacular topics, we are going to talk a little bit about Season 3 of Stranger Things and what we thought of that and how it stacks up to the rest. So Riley, I'll let you take the lead on this right now.
0: No spoilers,
1: though. Yeah, no spoilers. We will not be spoiling anything from Season 3. No, I'll just
3: give my general thoughts on the season overall. Overall, I'd say definitely, it's, it's still no season one, um, but I, well, uh, this is tough. Overall, I enjoyed it more than season two, um, but I am a Bob Newby stan, so yeah. season two will always hold a special place in my heart. Um, there
1: were very many great things about season two, and one of them was Bob Newby.
3: Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, one thing that I was really hesitant about this new season, because it's, you know, it's as they keep going, it's like, well, how many times can, you know, they have the basic plot of something coming from the upside down and the gang has to, you know, save the world. But I was actually pleasantly surprised. It didn't really feel as cookie cutter as I thought it would be. Um, there's some really great movie references throughout the show. So, a couple new characters that are really good. Hopper is amazing in this
1: season. Hopper initially, I will tell people, stick with Hopper's character through the first couple episodes just because they do have him fill a, a pretty, like, tried uh, 80s trope uh, in the role of Eleven's dad. But the he after after a few episodes and the way that shakes out he's kind of back into the normal hopper that we know uh who is a pretty tortured person and kind of something i wish they would touch on more but it's his character ends up in a very good with a very good story
3: yeah absolutely um but yeah i definitely get out and watch it as soon as you can um it actually watches pretty fast. I remember... It does. I feel, like,
1: I feel like season two... Was season two ten episodes? Season two was nine. They added the ninth... Or episode eight, but it was added as a ninth episode uh, when they added the attempt at a backdoor pilot for the spinoff series. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. Oof. Oof. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was that a good start?
0: so yeah, what's spin-off series
1: they they introduce 8 in season 2 which is a lost sister of Eleven's from the same project <coughs> and then they have an that. they have an episode in season 2 that solely focuses on Elle reuniting with her and it feels like an entirely different show and it has nothing to do with the main plot and you can tell they just wanted to test of the waters and see if they could get a spin-off series with this new character. Mm. And pretty much everyone hated it. Yeah, mm. absolutely.
2: I didn't know How
0: that How many was... episodes is season 3?
1: Uh, season 3 is 8 episodes.
0: Oh, okay. Then yeah, we can watch it. Okay.
1: <laughs> I I watched through all of it while Catherine was asleep. <laughs> so
2: <laughs> that's is that amazing because it implies one of two things. Either that Tyler watches shows so quickly that he spent all night watching it or that Catherine sleeps so long that there could be a period of time (laughs) that Tyler could have watched all the episodes. (laughs) So I
1: do want to share a little bit
2: about
0: my... It's a nice little combo. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So I was up watching this uh, and I was like, well, you know, it's 2 a.m. I'm checking Twitter. Nobody's really doing anything on Twitter. And then... (laughs) My timeline set on fire. Yeah, my timeline set on fire at 2 a.m. the other night with the Kawhi Leonard to the Clippers news. Oh, you were awake for that. I was awake for that entire thing. Wow. And I wanted to like text you guys and just wake everybody up and just like be making calls (laughs) that this that Kawhi signed with the Clippers, but ended up choosing not to. Uh, But that was a huge benefit of me staying up to watch Stranger Things. So I will, to give my quick thoughts on it, because I know Riley, he gave his opinion. He said it didn't quite stack up to season one for him. For me, it's hard for me to decide which one I like more. Only because this one did steer a lot harder into horror than the first season did. And there... There are many blink-and-you-miss-it references to a lot of horror things and a lot of very blatant references to horror things. But with all these references, it is still something that stands on its own and is a very good narrative and a very good final product compared to other things that throw references in there to be the entire meat of their story, like certain movies that I've brought up on the pod before. Uh, But anyway... Anyway, yeah, it's fantastic. If you like if you like Stranger Things, you like season 1 but are a little iffy about it because of how you felt about season 2, watch season 3. It is on par if not as good as and maybe a little better in some areas as season 1 and it feels it feels more like what we got in that first season. Absolutely. It's kind of like
3: if they made season one with the
1: money they have now. Yeah. Yeah. That's exact. That's such a good way to describe it.
2: I'm looking forward. the creature
1: effects. The creature effects are phenomenal. There are such good effects in this season. And there are some that, you know, aren't too impressive, but that's not where they wanted to spend their money. They wanted to spend their money on these creature effects uh, I'm not sure. I couldn't tell if they used much practical at all, but they did use a lot. Their CG was not egregious, and it all looked very good to me.
2: Mm-hmm. Agreed. I'll have to check it out.
1: So, topic number three on the Who the Hells is this For? Summer Spectacular. <laughs> or the Midsummer Spectacular, as we should call it, uh, because Jeff and I both went to go see Midsummer this week.
2: Should we, and I. Should we preface this with a big loud spoilers section
1: yes so i'm actually when i edit the pod this week i will go in and add a time code for people to skip to okay. so that they can just skip entirely over that so if you're listening right now don't worry follow the time code and you will miss all of the midsummer spoilers to avoid spoilers for midsummer skip ahead to 58:47. So at this point, that time code's is going to be in there. So let's get right into it. Jeff, what did you think about Midsummer?
2: I really, really liked it. I liked it a lot. I like, Air, I like Ari, Ari Aster. Is it Ari or Ari Aster? Ari Aster. Okay, that's what I thought. I like Ari Aster's um, filmmaking. Um, I'll say a couple of things real quick. the The filmography in this movie and the palette and the color is like... Honestly, some of the best I think I've ever seen in, like, almost any yes. movie. Um, and I don't think it's hyper- hyperbole to say that. Like, this is a beautiful movie.
1: Absolutely.
2: The, the... Like,
1: it is breathtaking in some shots.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, there's really good symmetry in the way they shoot stuff. Um, a big part of the plot line is that everything takes place... Um, in Sweden um, during the summer solstice. So this is the time of year where um, it doesn't really ever get dark, except for a couple of hours. And so it'll be like, what, 9 o'clock in the evening, 10 o'clock in the evening, and it looks like it's the middle of the day. And so a lot of people have described this as it's not a nightmare, it's a daymare, because it never gets dark, Um, which I think is really interesting. Um, And so just on that alone, I think this film is worth seeing. However, this film is will make you unbelievably uncomfortable. Um, yes, I don't think it'll scare you. Um, that's just not its beat. Like it's not really there to jump scare you or anything like that. But it will make you uncomfortable, and it will fill you with dread. Absolutely. Which Tyler, I know that's something you talked about. Yes.
1: Yes. So I do want to touch on that. Hereditary is one of my all-time favorite movies. And does scare the shit out of me. Every time I watch it, I, like, I... Hereditary is one of the few movies that makes me have trouble sleeping. Just because of an incredibly masterful third act. And the way he pulls everything off. That did not happen with Midsummer, But there is so much... There is so much imagery and just actual events that they include in the narrative of the movie... That really shook me. Uh, The opening scene. This movie opens essentially with a murder suicide by the main character's sister, and it was one of the. I was incredibly affected by that scene. It is tough, and was it is so hard because you had. And then Florence Pugh's acting throughout that whole thing when she learns of what happened and has her complete breakdown is also just incredibly emotional and very affecting.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of like very like guttural screaming like or mm-hmm. like like sobbing that takes place and on that alone I was blown away with some of the performances like man, just the way that these people like shift in between relatively normal human behavior and speaking and talking to their heightened emotional states, where they're going through stuff, or even once they get to midsummer and they're dealing with stuff. I mean, is it is really, yeah? There are some breakout performances. So Florence Florence Pugh is the main lead, and she does great. But even like the the villager roles or some of the other minor roles, mm-hmm. just I mean, it is a, an absolute ensemble acting experience. And so I really wish there was, I don't know. I don't wish that it was less comfortable because there's so much you get out of it by being this way, but I almost wish there was a little bit I wish there was a more accessible version of this so I could just show those pieces <laughs> to people. Yeah. Because there's so much about this movie that's so good that you will never be able to show to most people because it is so unsettling and disturbing the stuff that they're doing in this movie.
1: The the scene with the cliff jump was incredibly tense and very dread building because that whole time, cause you know something about this movie. Most of it is incredibly telegraphed where hereditary was definitely not agree, but this movie didn't care that you saw what was coming because it wanted you to see what was coming and just wait for it to happen. Because when the old couple jumps off the cliff and it doesn't cut away when the older woman hits the rock just pure flat and it shows her head bust open. Mm-hmm. It doesn't cut away from any part of that. Yeah. And that, cause it wants you, yeah. it wants you to know this is coming and be like, Hey, you're going to have a real bad fucking time and make you feel that feeling up until it happens.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Um, you can absolutely see the, the old couple committing suicide on the cliff coming um and you just you can't stop it and there's something special about seeing this in a theater where you're like i can't pause this i can't leave and part of that is like i mean if you don't like that obviously then you shouldn't see this movie because you're not going to have a good time yeah but part of you is kind of like the guy
1: next to me the guy next to me in the theater was having an incredibly bad time though no. because there was a lot of just rubbing his face and just like dragging his hand down his like entire face <laughs> top to bottom he was this man was so visibly stressed out through the entirety of this movie yeah. <laughs> until one scene towards the end that was a huge cathartic release for him and like every, it's an issue i have not with the movie but watching this movie in a theater setting but one of the one of the main cast is approved to mate With this, uh, with one of the villagers and he gets drugged and kind of coerced into doing it. And there's a, so he starts plowing and there is a circle. (laughs) It's a guided plow because there's a circle of women through the village around him the whole time. And then one of them gets right down next to his face and begins singing And the entirety of my theater was howling with laughter. It's
2: like Disney princess singing, like, ah, like into his face. Um, So it's, I laughed too. I busted up. I mean, and it was, for me, it was cathartic because I probably was Mm -hmm. the guy in the theater next to you with his head, like head in his hands type of thing. Um, So I kind of enjoyed that something so uncomfortable had a release valve on it. Um, but mm-hmm. I think you did not like that cause you wanted the dread and the weirdness and stuff.
1: I did. I wanted this to continue building dread. And when you, so if you look at that scene and if you're watching that by yourself, you're probably not going to laugh. You are probably going to be forced to face the entire uncomfortable situation that this is like this dude was pushed into this situation. He was drugged and, now he is just, he is essentially their chosen one to create a new villager for them. I, and it, the whole scene is incredibly uncomfortable when you really think about it. But when you, when you look at it from that standpoint and everyone else is laughing, yeah, it's, it's a funny scene. And it's, it took me out of the next few minutes until the very end. So, after that scene, you have him running through the village. You have him finding all of the fucked up shit that they've done to the outsiders that came that went missing. And the blood eagle was incredibly cool and unexpected. Uh, I was not ready for that. Nope. Uh, and that's something I keep hearing about because apparently they did it on a episode of Vikings... And but I could never see I was like so what does this do what does this look like and then I saw the scene and I was like I would have been all right not knowing that Yeah. Uh for for the unfamiliar it's where you split someone's back open break the ribs and pull the lungs out backwards cool. And he finds him <laughs> Yeah, he finds him and his his lungs are still breathing this dude is like clearly a vegetable at this point though and then everyone gets moved into their like ceremonial temple to be the human burnt offering. Yeah. And at that part, I was like, I'm kind of just like, I don't know if this is going to land for me. You know, I was very out because that laughter, that whole scene had broken my tension. And I was like, okay, yeah, you know, like, I don't know if this is going to land the way they wanted to. But then everyone starts screaming as the temple is burning, and that flipped a switch for me, and every hair stood on end. And I was totally back into this movie and thought it was an incredibly well-done and almost beautiful ending the way that they pulled it all together.
2: Yeah, I think... um, (laughs) So one other element of this movie that I love is... uh, One, it's going to cause a lot of breakups... Um, Oh, (laughs) yeah.
1: Did you see the tweet going around Uh -uh. of uh, somebody was in a theater and the movie ended and the boyfriend said, I don't think you really deserve that. And the girlfriend said, you would say that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this movie is. So I
1: can't imagine they're still together.
2: Uh, This movie is at its core about a bad relationship. And one person mm-hmm. who gives nothing to it And the other person who gives too much And um, It's weird because it's not exactly A revenge movie um, Because nothing that happens In the relationship is like bad enough Necessarily For all the stuff that ha- Have happened but in the end You have the the main Boyfriend Christian And the main um, What's the main girl's name Ty.
1: danny
2: Danny. uh the main actor is danny and they're dating and at the end danny is the may queen who is in charge of making the final sacrifice and christian has just participated in this mating ritual that danny sees and so she's like full-blown like uh in a panic attack this is happening and What's really kind of cool about about how they do this is obviously, like, Danny is going through this incredibly traumatic experience of losing her family. Um, and she has friends in the movie, but they never really make an appearance. They're never really important. Uh, so you kind of get the sense that she's just, like, alone and isolated, and her only real lifeline is this boyfriend who doesn't really care about her. And so she comes to this village, and that final lifeline is severed. And all she has is this really weird cult community who is willing to take her in and be her family, etc., whatever. And so she fully leans into that and and finally severs or sacrifices her final tie to real life by sacrificing Christian. So, I, I and think I like- we're going, Sorry, go ahead.
1: I like that the choice she makes isn't shown on screen. It doesn't show her deliberating over who to choose and picking Christian. It cuts from when she's presented to the choice to Christian being wheeled, not even showing him being wheeled into. It cuts to a shed where they're nice. gutting a bear and him sitting in the chair. And as soon as you see him sitting there and see them hollowing out the bear, you know what's going to happen. Right. And he gets sewn into this bear costume.
2: Right. up um, something- a bear suit, Joel right <laughs> exactly <laughs> i put something on but twitter yeah, it's the, the bear suit in workaholics or blake is wearing it <laughs> and that's midsummer spoilers without context because he gets son into a bear at the very end
1: yeah it's an incredibly dark movie
2: yeah.
1: and it will upset a lot of people in a lot of different scenes but it's still very much worth watching I walked out of it not knowing if I liked it more than Hereditary. I think in the end I still prefer Hereditary. But these movies are two sides of the same coin. They work best together and they are both they're an exploration of grief and how different people handle different situations when they're grieving. So, absolutely fantastic movie and you should watch it. Definitely give it a watch. I didn't need to say that twice. Give it a watch. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a watch. Watch it. Let's talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. This is the last thing that we're going to be doing this episode. So Sorry. if you uh, if you have listened this far and don't want to uh, have Spider-Man Far From Home spoiled, thank you for listening. This has been episode 40. We will see you again next week.
2: For those of you sticking around.
1: Holy shit, what a movie. Let's get into
2: it. Let's let Riley go first. Since spider man kind of his thing.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Um,
1: <laughs> was it spectacular?
3: I would say it's it was web of. <laughs> <laughs> no. Now but,
1: compared to Far or Homecoming, fart from, um, do you think this one was? Uh, do you think this was superior? Oh
3: God! Well, yes, I do think that. <laughs> I do think it was a lot better than yeah. Homecoming. Minus not, I mean, it didn't have Michael Keaton, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's tough.
3: Yeah, but Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio was amazing. Even even though you know that Mysterio is going to be the villain, I felt like they handled that, I don't want to call it a twist because you saw it coming, but it still felt like a twist the way that they pulled it off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's It's one of those things that, like, you know, if you're not super familiar with the comics... Yeah. Like Pradkath, like yeah. they played in a way that you could buy that he's a hero and genuinely wanting to do this up until that scene in the bar. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, because it hit the point right when they uh, defeated the... What's the...
1: The Elementals. The
0: elemental. And, like, I know literally nothing about the comics, and then as far as the movie went, like, I didn't pay attention to any media I saw about it, any trailers, any articles, like, nothing, and I only kind of vaguely knew that Jake uh, was going to be in it, and so I, like, it hit that point where they defeated the elemental, and I was like, Tyler, it's only been an hour. Yeah, she leaned over to me during the
1: movie, and she's like, it's only been an hour, what the hell?
0: And that was way too boring and easy. Yeah, and like... I, so I
1: just didn't say anything when she said that because you know I'm half deaf, so I was just like, I didn't. I acted like <laughs> I didn't hear, her. just so I couldn't give any reaction to what she said. It's nice. Yeah. So from from <clears throat> your point of view, right. what did you think of that big reveal scene in the bar when he gets the glasses from Peter?
0: I was like, ah, here we go. <laughs>
1: Very hard hitting Uh, Here we go
0: Well I mean
1: Yeah I mean no
0: Also I was like you dumb bitch For giving him the fucking glasses
1: Peter Parker (laughs) They didn't show that what he was drinking in the bar Was a big glass of dumb bitch juice
2: (laughs) Oh man Um, Just
3: an overly emotional teenager
2: Oh man I thought um, – so Tom Holland to me does not look like a teenager in anything but these movies. Like they do the, yeah. the Twitter press yeah. circuit and stuff um, and you see him like dressed up or doing interviews or whatever and you're like, oh, that's like an adult. Um, so I always thought he he did a really good <laughs> well, he job. he looks like an adult. He does look like an adult.
1: Look at that little guy.
2: <laughs> All dressed up. No, what I'm saying is – In these movies, he does, like, especially this one I felt, I felt him being a teenager. Mm -hmm. Like, I felt Mm -hmm. him being inexperienced and lost and not knowing what to do. And not that I didn't get that in the other movies, but, like, I really felt it in this one. Um, Yes. And I thought they did that so well. Because I really felt like even in the other Spider-Man movies, like, in the other previous incarnations, like, obviously Tobey Maguire looks like a 40-year-old in the first movie and Andrew Garfield doesn't look like a teenager like you know what I mean like this is the first one that I felt like actually really dove into the teenager side of this um yeah, absolutely and so that's what I really liked about this movie
1: yeah I mean so I've always said Toby Maguire was a very good Peter Parker Andrew Garfield was a very good Spider-Man Tom Holland is a very good Peter Parker and a very good Spider-Man
2: yeah I would agree with that
1: and so I do want to do want to touch a little bit on it what was what were each of your guys' favorite scene from this movie?
3: Besides the J. K. Simmons
1: reveal. Yes. Other than the J. K. Simmons reveal, which was fucking phenomenal. That happened, and I don't know how they kept that under wraps.
2: That happened and I stomped my foot and I stomped on Sarah's foot, like in the movie. I was <laughs> like, What? And I like slammed down on her foot and I felt really bad. I was shocked. I also
1: like that J. Jonah Jameson has turned into Alex Jones.
2: Yeah. It just info wars them for sure. Well,
3: that's kind of the guy he played. That's the version he played in the PS4 game.
1: And that's what I've heard.
3: Mm-hmm. But other than that, I'd say, well, obviously the, uh, I don't know what what you would call it, like the Grand Illusion. Um, the first one in Berlin. mindfuck thing where they're in Belgium.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. And is putting Peter through the ringer. Of all these different illusions and fucking... Was that one Berlin or
1: Belgium? Oh, Berlin. The first
0: one was Berlin. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, Berlin. That's right. Um, And, yeah, to piggyback off that, that was also my favorite scene. But I'll let you kind of finish your thought before I jump in. Because I have so much to say about that scene. Yeah.
3: So that was, like, the big one. And then I'd say, like, a runner-up for me be when Happy picks him up in the Netherlands. And he goes like full Tony Stark and Happy's there getting all emotional. The crowd's all emotional mm-hmm. because without knowing it, he's following in his quote unquote father's footsteps. A real mm-hmm. Piccolo Gohan situation, if you will. <laughs> oh
2: my gosh. I like those too. I, I think it's hard to pick anything but the illusion. I really feel like aside from Doctor Strange like you really haven't had anything quite like that in any of the other movies, where it's this like mind-bending, you know, reality-altering thing, which is kind of a hallmark of Marvel. Like, there's a ton of that mm-hmm. in different comics spread out throughout a reality. It's not really real, and people can control reality, etc. I guess you get that with Thanos a little bit with stuff, but I really liked that that aspect. I think my favorite favorite scene, though, the one where I was like, "This is cool," is um sort of like the final scene of the final fight of the final confrontation, because it's the first time that, I don't know, like there have been cool Spider-Man fights and Spider-Man acts and stuff like that before in the previous movies. But this is the first one that I was like, this is like actually the culmination of what Spider-Man can do. Like Mm -hmm. I felt like that was his most powerful where you see him handling all this stuff by himself and fighting all these enemies at once, and especially when they do the, the Spider-Sense scene. At Peter's the so end. good. The Peter Tingle. The Peter Tingle, yes. Um, man. That was
1: so goddamn good, and I, I never knew how they would handle Spider-Sense in these movies, since we hadn't really seen it up till this point, and it paid off just insanely well.
2: What I like about these movies too, is just a general thing, is uh, they, they kind of assume you know the backstory like you've seen Mm -hmm. the million other spider-man movies that exist and you know how he got his powers and you know about the different things and so they don't spend a lot of time like explaining that stuff they just kind of show it which for me as a a fan that has the deep knowledge is what i want like i don't want to spend a bunch of time on that but i was curious if that like landed for other people um yeah so i don't i don't know that it worked for me i was curious if it worked you know for anybody else
1: yeah absolutely yeah big um, time worked for me yeah like you
3: said I obviously know pretty much everything there is for Spider-Man so I don't need any kind of explaining or exposition on what his powers are or anything like that So.
1: and that's the fact, something they did well in Spider-Verse too you know with the right. whole let's do this one more time like they, they know you know Peter Parker's backstory at this point Catherine, what about you? What was your favorite part of Far From Home?
0: I forget which one of you said it, but the when Happy's with him in Netherlands, mm-hmm. and just he's being all Tony and, like, talking to himself while, like, working with it and, like, try this configuration, blah, blah, blah. I also, I don't know, I like some of, like, the smaller, like, not as big of a deal scenes, like mm-hmm. him asking his aunt, aunt and Happy if they're, like, dating or not, or even um, him and MJ, like, Thursday When they're on the bridge? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Also, shout out
0: to,
3: sorry, shout out to those two for just nailing high school awkward couple. Oh, yeah.
0: Right. Uh, I did not like, however, all this goddamn, I'm this person, JK, I'm this person, JK, I'm this person, (laughs) whatever. Was that the end credits? Yes, I've had enough. <laughs> and then, so and then Peter they... jumps
3: off the building trying to kill himself and
1: lands on a big cushion. <laughs> if they do any sort of secret invasion, if they touch on it in any way, I think it might cause Prodcath to quit MCU and Marvel <laughs> movies entirely.
0: Like when they called him, and he's just sitting on the freaking beach. Oh, just kidding! It's not actually a beach. <laughs> it's like, huh? and it wasn't actually him the whole time and just i can't can we spin
2: <laughs> i think that's a uh, i agree with you podcast. i think there is a lot of bait and switch in marvel i think yeah. they do too much of it can we talk about the final final scene like where he's yes. on he's on a ship yeah somebody explain to me what's actually going on there
1: so there as far as i'm going to guess they're not shield is dead shield has been dead um, it was taken down by Hydra, and now they are creating Sword, which is the space-focused branch, and it—it's the space force essentially. Okay. But they handle—they handle, <laughs> they handle in a, extraterrestrial threats. They're basically the idea that Tony had to build a suit of armor around the Earth. So basically, their defense and even a proactive. Th- uh, proactive force against threats like Thanos and anything else that may be out there. Like here's hoping they come up against Galactus soon. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. And I feel like that's something they could also
3: expand more on, or we'll probably see more of in the next Captain mm-hmm. Marvel.
1: Yeah. Um, well, so in a couple of weeks we are going to have San Diego comic-con and Marvel and Kevin Feige are going to be in Hall H, so I have to assume we're getting our Phase 4 outline. And I can't wait to see what it is. Yeah, at some point in the next couple months.
3: Also, you know what I realized? Uh, This was our first MCU movie without a Stan Lee cameo.
1: Yes, I thought about that, and I'm okay with it. the fact that it it. was Spider-Man. It's very hard that it was Spider-Man that was the first one without it. Uh, But I like that they had a tribute to Lee and Ditko in the credits oh yeah
3: that's true I also loved that they opened this movie um, well not opened it but I guess because there was the little scene in Mexico or wherever they were but then they cut to black and then it's Whitney Houston and the high school (laughs) made tribute video
1: I was the only person in our theater laughing and Catherine was looking at me like what the fuck is wrong with you
0: during
1: what scene? The the tribute to all um, the fallen Avengers. <laughs> because as soon as it came in with Comic Sans yeah, and the "I will love always you, love you," I knew what was happening. Yeah. I was like, "God!" I and I was in tears, laughing when it had the like insanely JPEGed picture of Vision. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> That's some real stuff. That's some real stuff.
3: And and the uh, Getty image wa- watermark yes. over the candles. <laughs>
1: they handled making this a teen comedy that worked well and making it a superhero movie that worked well. And they did that in homecoming too, but I think they really nailed it here. I agree. What did you guys think about? Um, so this is the
3: one part that I got hung up, hung up on even family? the second time. Yeah. What's up with that?
1: I don't Cause know. Cause they really I... focused
3: on flashes. Like well, at least his mom not being at the airport. And I mean, I'm not really sure what to make of it.
1: The bully, the guy from
3: uh, the guy that was Grand always Budapest on his phone. Hotel.
2: Oh, Grand Budapest Hotel guy. Okay. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I you you wonder. I mean, it's either just to show that bullies have hard home lives and that's why they're bullies, but he's not even really that bad. Like in the movies,
0: mm-hmm. or is his mom someone?
1: I think what they're setting him up for it's either his family is going to be important or they're setting him up to want to join the military because I think they could go the Agent Venom route with Flash because you know like we know we know Peter's backstory we also know Venom's backstory and we don't need we don't need to n- see venom as a venom to know who venom is i think we could get agent venom with flash going to join the military and then being injured coming back and we we get a tony Revelori agent venom movie which would be super weird and out there but totally a direction i could see them going
3: he is yeah i just i guess i just don't see him taking on that role You know what I mean? Like I just Uh a
1: lot of people are also thinking he could, you know, maybe his, you know, dad was in poor health. Dad, it's implied maybe passed away, and so a lot of people thinking maybe Flash's mom remarries. She's clearly very successful. Maybe she marries another very successful person, Norman Osborn, and they bring in Oscorp that way.
2: Could be. I maybe I kind of think there will be some kind of split there between Flash doesn't like Peter Parker or at least is like mean to Peter Parker. I don't know if he actually doesn't like him or not. Um, but then he loves Spider-Man, and now with the identity reveal, if now he'll get really jealous and actually become like an actual real bully or something. There, I do kind of think that that actor is a little bit too, a little bit too big to just be the bully like he has to have something Mm -hmm. else that he's going to be doing um so i don't know i think it'll be interesting to see like what they do with him for sure
1: for sure well unless we've got any other quick last thoughts i think it's about time we wrap up our summer spectacular
2: i think so yep this has been our miami connection episode
1: (laughs) (laughs) We talk so much about Miami Connection. Anyway, this has been episode 40. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, When you listen to this, you'll have gotten two episodes from us this week because my work schedule has been so insane. So this and the game episode will both be coming out in the same week. Uh, Keep an eye on Twitter for what we'll be doing next. Have a good one, everybody.